Star Wars 7x7 episode 1370. Today, we're going to start breaking down the three-part Act 2 climax of The Last Jedi, courtesy of the novelization and the extra insight it brings. Punch it, Chewie. This is Bobby Roberts, formerly of Full of Sith, and you are listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Boybud, and this is Star Wars 7x7. So let's start off our conversation about the three-part Act 2 climax by talking about the Resistance side of the equation. There's also going to be the whole Rose Finn BB-8 side of things, and then there's also going to be the Rey and Kylo Ren side of things. So we'll get to all of those in turn, but today we're going to be talking about the Resistance. And in case you were, like me, counting the number of Resistance transports that survived the assault on the Radis and the betrayal by DJ. Well, it turned out that the number is six. So the number is six transports actually made it down to crate. And I think we are actually able to count those if you are able to pause it just enough in your playback of the movie. I think I actually had six in my head from when I was watching the movie itself. But, you know, it's just so dynamic, all those scenes with the ships getting destroyed and the cutting back and forth and so on and so forth. But six is your magic number there. And watch out because it's probably going to be a trivia question down the road someplace. And as we know by now, the whole deal was to get the resistance to Crate, and Crate is described as being one of a number of shadow planets in the Outer Rim that doesn't appear on any charts. And it's planets like these that the Rebellion used for secret hideouts and whatnot back in the day. So that was the plan all along, and by extension, Admiral Holdo's plan was to sacrifice herself so that way all the transports could get away. And the way that she sacrificed herself, well, that turned out to be a little bit different. She was just supposed to be a distraction, but when Poe programmed in lightspeed coordinates, getting ready for Finn to say, hey, the hyperspace tracking has been turned off, go into lightspeed, well, it turned out that the calculations were still running during the mutiny and when Leia showed up and stunned him on the bridge. So, while Holdo is in the bridge by herself, there's a little bing, oh, the hyperspace coordinates are ready. But in an interesting twist, the jump point is actually further behind her because she's still been traveling forward. And the jump point is actually behind the First Order fleet, which is the science behind why she's able to just turn around and go boink and go straight back through the First Order fleet. And the explanation we're given for this whole plan in the first place is that the fewer people who knew, the better, because Holdo was more interested in preserving the light and not looking like a hero. Ugh, I don't know how much water that holds with me. I mean, I think she still could have said something to somebody. And yeah, there would have been a lot of gnashing of teeth and whatnot, but somebody always has to sacrifice themselves. I mean, how many ships went down with the Resistance fleet? Well, not that many, <laughs> because there are only four in total. So there were still two Resistance ships that got blown up because they ran out of fuel and somebody was still on board steering them. So, you know, they could have said something, I guess, but ultimately they didn't. And maybe it would have turned out to be a mutiny anyway over the whole thing, even if she had said, this is what's going to happen. I don't know. But it is rather amusing that 
the mutineers and the loyalists, as they're described, are trading stun blasts in the docking bay where all the transports are. And when Leia is up and around after she stuns uh, Poe in the bridge, she goes down into that docking bay and she looks around and she's like, uh... Yeah, what's all this? And I think that if, you know, we're all fleeing in these transports when the First Order is coming after us, we all better be shooting in the same direction. And it's kind of like, just like that, the resistance and the resistance, the resistance within the resistance, if you will, stops. Like, it's all done there. Like, oh, General A is back. Okay, well... (laughs) I guess it's back to business. And so just like, you know, mom coming in and seeing what's going on and going, really? And everybody just, you know, straightens up and gets back to ship-shape behavior again. That's exactly what happens when Leia arrives on the scene. And for Leia's part, when she's on the resistance transport, she finds herself thinking about what unlikely solutions could happen and wishing for one of them to magically appear, whether it's Luke arriving with help or whether it's Inferno Squad showing up with a task force of Starhawks, which was a neat little drop in there by Jason Fry. So Inferno Squad, of course, referring back to the Christy Golden novel, which was the precursor to Battlefront 2, the video game. And Starhawks are a new kind of capital ship that were first introduced to us in the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendig. So yeah, a lot of stuff getting mixed into one little moment. And of course, the solution does present itself unlikely as anything else in the form of Admiral Holdo's suicide run. And for Holdo's part, she is on the bridge of the Radis, the emergency bridge, just thinking about Leia and how her one regret in this moment, I think, is that she's not going to be around for Leia in the months and years to come. This is the way that she thinks about it, that Leia is going to need her help in the months and years to come. And the idea that she's thinking that way, that doesn't necessarily say anything to us. But the fact that Jason Fry chooses to include that in the narrative, the idea of years to come, that does tell us a little bit, I think, about the future of this whole story, this particular saga, if you will. The fact that we're talking about years to come, I really do think that is, I hesitate to use the word confirmation, okay? So, you know, like, let's not go there. But I think this is definitely some very interesting evidence in support of the idea that it's going to be years later when we see episode 9. It's not going to follow within six months or a year after the events of The Last Jedi. It's going to be multiple years, if not, as I think it might be, an entire decade potentially. And the rest of that part of the Act 2 finale is mostly as you remember it in the movie, the dramatic destruction of the supremacy. And you can kind of see it It flashes really quick in the movie, so you get the idea, basically, it's sort of fairly imprinted on the back of your eyeball, that some additional Star Destroyers get killed in the wake of the destruction of the Supremacy, and that is verified in the Last Jedi novelization, that Star Destroyers trailing in the wake of the Supremacy are destroyed. Not all of them, but certainly a few of them, at least, and so that is an amazing bit of damage, which... If you also think about it, this is a huge blow to the First Order on many bigger levels, too, because 
as has been pointed out in the last Jedi Incredible Cross-Sections book and in the Visual Dictionary, Snoke has not designated any sort of capital city, any capital planet for the First Order. The actual headquarters of the First Order is the Supremacy. It is its own mobile base. It has all of its means of production on it, so every bit of war material that it needs to produce, like there are no factories that it's depending on, it can run its own factories right on the ship. So everything that the First Order needed for its nominal capital was on the Supremacy, and the fact that it's now been destroyed is a major blow that's on the order of the destruction of Starkiller Base, I would say. I think if you were looking for an equivalent, it would be like dealing a death blow to Coruscant for the times of the Galactic Empire. And in a way, you could also say that it's sweet revenge for the destruction of the Hosnian system. Obviously, nothing can make that okay, and nothing could ever equate to that, but... Dealing a blow to the capital of the First Order, which is what the supremacy is, well, you know, there's an equivalency there. A little bit, at least. And with that, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with another patron shout-out. Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. Want a free copy of The Last Jedi in 4K UHD HDR with Dolby Atmos and Dolby Vision? It's the highest quality you can possibly watch The Last Jedi at, courtesy of Voodoo. And starting Friday, March 16th, I'm giving away those 10 to the first 10 people who become patrons of the podcast at the $5.01 level or higher. And if you join at the 1138 level or higher, I'll throw in a free copy of The Force Awakens Trivia Book 2. Go to patreon.com slash sw7x7 to support the show and get your free copy of The Last Jedi. Again, that's patreon.com slash sw7x7. Welcome back. All right, so today it's a shout-out for a gentleman named Jonathan Heil. And, you know, there are a lot of folks that I get to see listener-wise on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sw7x7. From time to time, Jonathan was a relatively new commenter back in December when he started participating in the Trivia Challenge. That was when I was giving away a copy of the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book during uh, the run-up to The Last Jedi. And once I started doing the Voodoo Last Jedi thing that you just heard about, well, Jonathan jumped right on that offer. And so he is now a patron at the $5 one set level. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for becoming a patron of the podcast and for letting it become... Your new healthy addiction, I really appreciate it. I have to say, sometimes doing the podcast itself feels like an unhealthy addiction, but, you know, sometimes you just got to give into it, I guess. Anyway, that is going to do it for today's podcast. So thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you engage those Star Destroyers at point-blank range, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not the shortest offensive of all time, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.